The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you always, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot accept, because it neither sees nor knows him. But you know him, because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. In a little while the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live and you will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and observes them is the one who loves me and whoever loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and reveal myself to him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. An apology to John or Sacristan for making him climb the stairs uselessly because I forgot to incense the Gospel right before the... Sorry about that, John. So even though it's Mother's Day, uh, and I visited my mom just yesterday. I was with her and or Friday and Saturday, so I didn't forget. That's three-quarters of the reason why I went, went home over in Pennsylvania. But I forgot to make that like part of the homily. So if you're wondering, gosh, why isn't Father preaching about Mother's Day? It's because I forgot, okay? Like, sort of like the incense. That's the reason why. But I did prepare something, and that's good. I'm not just shooting from the hip. And it's, it has to do with, if you give it a title, it's like the before and after of John. And the key point here is going to be Pentecostes, or Pentecost, excuse me. A before and after, the disciple, the, the apostle John, the one who wrote uh, the Gospel of John that we just read from, he also wrote three letters too. I don't know if you knew that. They're in the Bible. They're in the New Testament. The three letters, the first letter, second letter, third letter, very creatively named First letter, second letter, and third letter of John. And then also the, the book of, um, uh, of Revelation, or Apocalypse, if you want to give it a more colorful name at the very, the very last book of the Bible. So very prolific and a major part. Uh, Paul would be the only one that added more to the uh, New Testament. But what I want to do here is this is situate the, have a lo, uh, location for this before and after, and it's in Samaria, which came up, if you're, a, if you're attentive, it came up in the first reading. Uh, Philip goes to Samaria. Well, Samaria is a noteworthy place in Scripture. The Samaritans uh, did not, well, they saw themselves as being the, the real, true, authentic Israelites, and the ones in Jerusalem were not. Now, the ones in Jerusalem would say the other way around. And I think we can accurately side with the ones in Jerusalem. That's where Jesus came and did everything. But the ones in Samaria, they, they kind of, it was like a, a schismatic group. It would probably be the best way to think about it that broke off from mainline uh, Judaism back when, in the Old Testament times, when, there, when Israel was split into two kingdoms. And then, then the Babylonian exile comes along and there's a huge influx of of, of emigrant, uh, immigrants that come in to repopulate those that have been taken out. And so what happened is in Samaria, which is about, I don't know, 45 minutes, hour and a half north of Jerusalem, 
they kind of came up with their own cooked up version of what Judaism should be with the main temple and all that being up there in, in Samaria, not in Jerusalem, because the bad guys lived in Jerusalem, our enemies. So anyways, so it happens that during the, the, the Jews and Samarians in Jesus' time had nothing to do with each other, bubbles. At one point, Jesus, and this is before the crucifixion, is traveling, and they kind of skirt along, and they're going through the area of Samaria because it's a it's a short it's the fastest route to get to Jerusalem, uh, at least if you're up in the north. And Jesus sends John and James and other disciples ahead of him to prepare his coming and passing through these towns. And one of these Samaritan towns knowing that they're going to Jerusalem, saying, no, we don't want your type here. Just stay out. Don't, don't even bother. Don't have your master come through here. And they reject him. Okay, so what does James and John do? They go back to Jesus and say, hey, they wouldn't, come on, they, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't accept us. Do you want us to uh, call down fire from heaven to just, just wipe them out? It's in the Bible. One of Jesus' chosen followers, one who would write all these, be this major contributor to the New Testament, is calling fire, wants to call down. He's asking permission. Hey, can we do this? Like, they haven't done it yet. So they're not sure if they can just like do it or, or what will happen. So they're kind of asking, hey, you want to, you know, give us a little bit of that, that uh, special something? And we can, you know, just like Elijah did, he called down fire three times on the, on the bad guys there. Of course, Jesus rebukes them. They don't call down fire. But I'll tell you, it's a prophecy of a sort. And I'm going to get to that here later. But what makes John have a heart that he's there evangelizing with Jesus, and he's asking Jesus for permission to call fire down and wipe these people out? Doesn't sound like it's totally penetrated yet, the message. And he's one of the key ones. He's one of the ones that will be faithful at the foot of the cross while all the rest will. What, what makes him like this? Well, I think all of us are like that in some way, shape, or form. We want to win. We're the righteous ones. Hey, Jesus, they're not taking us. They're not on our side. It's time to start being victorious. This is what we do. When we have, and this is like an algebraic equation here. When we have truth, which John and James had, plus power, they're backed up by the Son of God. And then you take away love equals destroy your enemies, wipe them out, coerce them into doing what they, you know they should be doing because we're right and they're wrong. Scorch them. They're, the online version of this is the truth bomb where, where you, you see it on Twitter and, and on, um, in different places where it's just it's just this, how much fire can I make breathe through this tweet right here? Just, just torch, because I'm right, and we got the power of this platform here that I'm going to just shoot this, and then there's something missing there. Equals, 
coercion, power, force, wipe them out, be victorious, win. You're supposed to. The good guys always win. Therefore, the ends justify the means. That's not right, though. You know that. Okay, that's pre-Pentecost. That's what John was like on his own with a little dabbling of having watched Jesus do a lot of miracles, having listened to Jesus preach for days on end, having been a close friend of Jesus, and his heart is still like this. What is the chance that just maybe our heart might be like that too? About 97.7%. I don't know. I just made that number up. But it's a lot. We want to act that way. Okay, now, after Pentecost, pull out the first reading here. Philip, there's a big persecution in Jerusalem. Philip goes to Samaria, and he's preaching, and he's working miracles, and he's casting out demons. He's healing. Possessed people, many paralyzed or crippled people were cured. There was great joy in that city. Does it sound like he went in there and scorched them? No. He didn't go in there with a sword or a club. He went in with joy and healing and love and the power of the Holy Spirit. And great things start happening. Conversions start happening. The enemies stop becoming enemies and they start becoming friends and brothers and sisters. And then they send message back to Jerusalem where, where um, Peter and, and John are. And say, come down, come to Samaria. And John and Peter come to Samaria. And they had a call for the apostle. They're calling in the big guns here. They heard the Samaria had accepted the word of God. They sent for them Peter and John who went down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Sounds like they kind of already received it, but... But it wasn't fully manifest yet. It wouldn't, wasn't fully received yet. For it had not yet fallen upon any of them. They'd only been baptized in the name of the Lord, not in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. What are the symbols for the Holy Spirit? Dove. Wind is another one. And fire. John finally gets to do what he really wanted to do, is call fire down upon the Samaritans. And in, in his heart is in a totally different place. And the result is not to obliterate them. The, the result is to give them joy and healing and hope, truth which John had along, all along, plus power, which he had. Now, plus love equals joy and healing and brotherhood. This is what John's doing now. And this is what we are called to do. We live in a 
very polarized society. You know that. All I have to do is mention that Twitter thing at the beginning and already you know, like in your head, you know who you would send that to, right? Or vice versa. This is, this is human nature and this isn't something that's like unique just to this time and this, this place. Some will say that we're actually not nearly as polarized as what the media would highlight because they're just sampling the extreme outsides and not, not the middle because that's no fun. That doesn't, that doesn't like really get a whole lot of clicks. But anyways, that's a, a side point. But the antidote to this isn't torch your enemies, scorch them, obliterate them, win, be victorious, get them to just shut up. It is to bring the gift of the Holy Spirit to them, to love them, to come with not the fire of sarcasm and truth bombs, but with a heart that only wants the best for them. I was listening to a podcast and and one of, the, one of the things is this, uh, it was even a, a secular setting, the, 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 the speaker, Arthur Brooks, he's actually a very, very devout practicing Catholic. He publishes in Atlantic, he's got some books out and so forth. He's saying that one of the things we most need to do today is go out and find someone that thinks the exact opposite of we do and go and just love on them, make them your friend. Not befriend them in some kind of like manipulative kind of way, what just, but to be a friend to them. And who can do that? Those who have the gift of the Holy Spirit, because you are, have been given this gift in a seed form, at least in baptism, to be able to love this gift of love. You can't just fabricate, you can't just like will it. You've got to have the gift to love on those around, including your enemies. Or those that you might be tempted to want to obliterate. Now this seed, maybe for some of us, it's only an acorn right now. It's there, but it's hard. It hasn't grown yet. And it's just kind of like rattling around. Like if you take your heart and shake it, you could hear the, like a, I don't know, like a peanut in a coffee can. It's like not going anywhere. But maybe for others, it's already grown. It's been watered, it's been nourished by the sacraments Sunday after Sunday and through prayer and this time spent with the Lord. And now you've got, a, you've got a tree. But either way, both of us, or whether you got just an acorn or if you got a, a full-blown oak tree, we're called to take that out there and bring this to, that's the healing that our society needs. That's what we're called to be for the Samaritans. And where are the Samaritans? Right outside that door. There might even be some like here in the church with us, at least in your mind, in your heart, that kind of Samaritan. Peter had the same kind, and I'll finish with this, the same kind of conversion. Peter, who is willing to whip out a sword in order to make a last ditch effort to win right before Jesus got hauled off in the Garden of Gethsemane. Sanctify, this is him speaking. Sanctify Christ as the Lord in your hearts. Always be ready to give an explanation to anyone who asks for your reasons of hope. But do it with gentleness. 
and reverence and sarcasm. He didn't say that. <laughs> and truth bomb, he doesn't say that. Keeping your conscience clear. Ask someone, to get, who, what is our reason for hope? We've been loved. We've been healed. We've been saved. We've experienced joy. That's why we have hope. And there are so many people that don't, including whoever for you is the Samaritan. Be they Republican, be they Democrat, be they pro-choice, be they pro-life. Love on them. Be a friend to them. Bring hope. Bring joy. And if you don't have it, ask. Because it's a gift. And it's the gift that our Lord wants to give. And he gives it at Pentecost. And he gives it to all those who seek and desire his face. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.